Welcome to the report, readers, listeners, and viewers, to a post-game podcast. Peter Report Podcast. Boy, this was not a good night. This was not a good night for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or their fans. I'm Scott Reynolds here live at Raymond James Stadium where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost a game that really wasn't as close as the score indicates. And alongside me is J.C. Allen from Pewter Report. And we're going to talk about this uh, debacle from start to finish. <laughs> but but boy, J.C., yes, exactly. The, the, the final score of this game, uh, what, 41-31, was was the final uh the chiefs really took the opening possession after a untimely rashad white fumble right out of the out of the gate uh, two plays and, and two players right that did not play well right. last time they were at raymond james stadium in super bowl 55 we're talking about patrick mahomes the quarterback and travis kelsey and all of a sudden two plays and a touchdown on the board the chiefs have momentum the bucks don't and the Chiefs never relinquished momentum the entire game. No, you, you pretty much called it. They had pretty much two two kickoffs <laughs> to begin the game. Uh, you know, they elected to defer. They got the ball in the second half, but they got the ball in the first half, too, thanks to that Rashad White. Now, Rashad White kind of turned it around, had himself a better game as a, you know, and they gave him a shot right away. Yes. They gave him a shot. But that really just put the Bucks into an early hole, set the tone for what the game was going to be, and then both sides, offense and defense, just struggled. Uh, to, to get back into a rhythm and, and really, you know, make any stops or really kind of consistently put together drives. To the end. Yeah. And, you know, as always, the Peter Report podcasts are energized by Celsius. And boy, uh, I, I don't know what the Buccaneers pregame drink was, but it, it sure wasn't Celsius. That's right. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential vitamins and energy, seven vitamins in every can of Celsius. JC, you get the energy that you need when you drink Celsius, but there's no sugar crash. Why? Because there's no sugar and there's no preservatives. It's the healthiest energy drink around. And boy, the flavors are just dynamite. The vibes, the Arctic vibe, the tropical mm -hmm. vibe, the peach vibe, those are kind of like their flagship flavors right now. But uh, there's a ton of other great fruit flavors. Orange is my favorite. I started today with an orange Celsius. My wife actually loves the, the watermelon. Uh, the, there's wild berry, strawberry, uh, guava, strawberry kiwi, lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. My favorite. Yeah. There, there's a host of flavors. Folks, do yourself a favor. You've heard us talk about Celsius. If you've yet to grab a can, go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, find where they sell Celsius near you, whether it's a convenience store, a grocery store, a health and fitness store, and try some flavors. Once you find the ones you like, go ahead and order them on Amazon, buy them in bulk with the subscribe and save, save some money and they ship them right to your house. And boy, if we could get some shipped to Raymond James Stadium the next time <laughs> the Buccaneers play. And you know what? It's it's gonna be it's gonna be uh next week against the Falcons. It, it's it, the Buccaneers now have lost two straight games, and they have got to get this thing turned around sooner rather than later. And, and this yeah. this was 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 a real crappy week for the Buccaneers. And, it and, was. And, and and talking with the players after the game in the locker room, JC, they weren't using this as an excuse. And I talked to Raheem Nunez Rochez, the the defensive tackle for the Bucks, and he said, "We have to show up and play. Right? We can't avoid this game." 
but the mental stress of a hurricane, the displacement, everything, that getting your family right uh, to Miami, right, and then dealing with your with all of your family in a hotel room <laughs> while you're trying to recover from practice and recover from the Packers game, just do extra studying, film prep, and all yeah. that stuff. It was definitely a difficult situation for talking to some of the guys. Yeah, you know, especially a younger guy like Logan Hollow I yeah. talked to said, you know, he doesn't want to make excuses, but there was definitely effects felt from this game that kind of carried on into the game itself. And I'm characters characteristically for the Bucks to drop not just one at home, but two at home, but back to back yeah. games yeah. at home. And you know, again, they're not trying to make excuses, but as I'm sure you felt, I felt yeah. the whole almost all of Florida felt there was some uneasiness about this week as a, as a whole. Yeah, there was. And, and the thing is, is they were not using this as an excuse, but, but boy, there's a valid reason. The, the one thing Rakeem Nunez Ruchas said was they didn't get to recover physically with that rest time, that downtime that you need. Right. He said, I'm still feeling the Packers game and I got to play the Chiefs. And it showed up in the trenches, JC, because this Bucks defensive line was manhandled <laughs> right from the start. And I don't know if Shaq Barrett's comments about well, this offensive line didn't look much right. different from the Super Bowl. Boy, this new Chiefs offensive line sure looked different because they controlled the line of scrimmage. They were able to run the ball at will. And as Jamel Dean told me after the game, uh, w w the worst thing you can do is allow teams to run on you because then they can pass on you whenever they want. Right. And and they never got the Chiefs to be a one-dimensional team. A, a staple of Todd Bowles' defense, he wants to make teams pass the ball. Because that sets up his pressure packages exactly. on third downs. Boy, third down was not kind to the Buccaneers tonight, JC. Oh, no, it was not. No, it was not. And, and as talk about the rushing, 189 yards rushing, that's just not something the Bucs have typically done. But their third down packages, I mean, they were just atrocious. 12 of 17 they let up for the Chiefs. And you just can't have that and expect to win games. Coming into this game the last week against the, against the Colts, yeah. The, the Chiefs were just 3 of 10. Yeah. And on the season, they were just 12 of 30. So to allow them to have the success they did was a detriment to why the Bucks lost. It really was. And it wasn't just the third down conversions, right? I mean, they gave up, what, 70 75% on third downs. Right. They, they, were, they were 8 of 9 at halftime in terms of the Chiefs converting third downs. And it was absolutely atrocious. That led to the Chiefs having an almost 2 to 1 time of possession uh, advantage over the, the Buccaneers. And obviously we, we know that some of you weren't happy about this. We appreciate everybody who's staying up in, in the chat uh, with us. Uh, you know, I, the penalties too. They got two first downs on penalties. And while yeah. the Bucks weren't heavily penal, penalized, only five for 40, still you're giving up yeah. first downs and that's going to allow the Chiefs to continue to drive, but you can't have. Yeah, exactly. And the, the other thing too is they were not able to pressure Patrick Mahomes nearly as much as they did during the Super Bowl. I mean, it wasn't even close. And the one thing, too, about pressures, and, and I know there's a lot of analytics people that say pressures are just as good as sacks, if not better. Listen, I, we have a picture tomorrow that, that I'm going to show you on tomorrow's Peter Report podcast. It's of Patrick Mahomes <laughs> literally being wrapped up by Carlton Davis, okay? And, and his knee is still not touching the ground. And then you've got Shaq Barrett, Who's, whose hands are like this, and you can see the ball almost get tipped. So Patrick Mahomes is getting pressured on third down by Carlton Davis and Shaq Barrett. Right. Those are legitimate pressures. 
but he still completes the pass to Juju Smith-Schuster on third down to convert a first down. And there's a couple of instances like that. Devin White pressured Patrick Mahomes. He came screaming in and didn't get the sack. He pressured Mahomes, but he flicked the ball into the end zone for a, a, an a easy two-yard touchdown to right. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Right, and the, how many think of how many times Mahomes was pushed out of the pocket, or how many times that he had to make plays uh, with his legs? I mean, those are all count as pressures, but you know, sacks are what is the bottom line. Yeah. Even quarterback hits are a little bit better than pressures. At least you got to the quarterback, you hit him, you disrupted him. Uh, but even still, I mean, you saw two examples that you just gave of plays. Yeah where they still converted it or, or a third down or a touchdown. And you, you just, you have to get home. The Bucks are able to do that three times this game, but that's not enough. You're right. And, and the thing JC too, is you could just sense, right. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 there's, there's still some players on that chief's team that were losers here in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, Terry kills gone right. four out of five of the offensive linemen, you know, are, are, aren't starters or gone right now. This, this is a bit of a new look offense for the Kansas City Chiefs. But right. what we did see from Andy Reid and from Eric Bieniemy was just creative play calling. I mean, the right. imagination that just tormented the Buccaneers, RPO game, stretch plays, bootlegs off of stretch. There was so much happening, so much for the Buccaneers to defend. And right. boy, this was not the week that you wanted to be displaced by a hurricane to prepare no. for the Kansas City Chiefs offense in everything Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy can throw at you. Right, and the way this Bucks defense hat was playing coming into it, I mean, 27 points allowed. I mean, you look at what they have, 41 points this They gave up 28 at halftime. It was crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just it's not what the Bucks are used to. I think Logan Ryan going down early with that foot injury yeah. kind of hampered them as well. It takes away what the Bucks like to do, having those three versatile safeties back yes. there yep. to be able to – present different looks but as soon as they're on the board first it was all downhill from there because yeah. uh, you know limits what you can do as as a defensive uh, you know play caller and we saw the effects of it yeah and and we saw if you look at the stat sheet right Devin White and Levante David both over you know 10 tackles in this game but but boy those yeah. those linebackers it's many plays as they made they missed, missed some too plays were huge. Levante David had an interception at the goal line two of them Really should have had two, but certainly one down there by the goal line. Right. And that's a play that, as a playmaker, you've got to make. And we saw him on the very first play to Travis Kelsey, right? He got caught looking at Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey juked him, had a step on him, and, and it was a touchdown. So yeah. A far cry from the Super Bowl. When Levante oh, yeah. was shutting him down for the yeah. most part until he got some garbage yards right. later in the game. But, I mean, as, as I said to you, I mean – Talking two years down the line now, Levante's gone through some serious injuries, and he's uh, older. He is yeah. a little older, yeah. uh, maybe. And 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 to Levante's credit, he's played well to start the season. It's just that that tonight he had to be great because Travis Kelsey was great, great, and and he wasn't. And and Le, Le, uh, Devin White, same thing, right? I mean, Devin White made some plays but missed some others, right? Including that uh, we talked about pressure and sacks. The difference, right? right? If Devin White gets that sack on Patrick Mahomes, maybe they are forced to kick a field goal instead of getting that touchdown, which happened literally two seconds later. Right, and maybe you're still in it. you know. And give the Bucks credit. The offense did their job, and we're never really out of it. You look at 41 to 31. Yep. You know, they were still right there. The defense just couldn't come up with stops. It was conversion on yeah. third down after conversion after conversion. And at some point, you know, 
when the when, when the Chiefs are holding on to the ball and sustaining drives that much, yeah. you're wearing down that defense. And by the end of the game, they just I don't think they had much left in the tank. You saw guys start coming off the field with injury with Carlton Davis with yeah. a shoulder stinger, and right. you can tell guys are gassed. Yeah, and and again, not making excuses. Um, JC and I live about 10 minutes away from each other. Right? He lives in, in Lutz, Florida. I live in, in Wesley Chapel. Matter of fact, the, 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 the Wesley Chapel right um, walk-ons locations in between our houses. Right. Right? And, and our region largely got spared from any, any damage of, of hurricanes. We had some high winds. We had a little bit of rain. It, it really wasn't bad in our neck of the woods. There's some Buccaneer players that live close to us. But the problem is, is when you're in Miami and and you and your family have been displaced. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, the, the stress that I felt and I'm, you know, and you felt too. And we <laughs> cover this team. We, we're not right. out there practicing. We're not preparing to play. We're writing stories. We're doing Zoom press conferences. And, and you still feel that stress. So I'm, I'm not making excuses. But for a, a, another team, a lesser team, I think the Buccaneers probably win this game. I think that they were at a, at a disadvantage. We talked about about if this game was not at Raymond James Stadium, it being a real disadvantage. It was still a yeah. disadvantage, considering that you could feel the wear and tear mentally and physically on this Buccaneer team. They just they got gassed. They just didn't have any momentum right from the get go. They were always a step behind it seemed right. this game and and in several steps behind it on the scoreboard you know you would have could have should i'd like to see what this game would have played out to be if that you know first kickoff i think it would have been much closer i think yeah. the fans brought the energy even yeah. after that early touchdown right when they were back on defense and, and kansas city had the ball they were yeah. loud they were into it um because i feel like they've never felt the bucks are really i mean once you got tom brady yeah. you always well, think it, you're never really out of the game jc so. you bring up a valid point what if they go down and score a touchdown right what if what if mike evans gets the the ball rolling and achieves you know the the bucks are up seven nothing right? It, right it might be a different game but but that wasn't what happened and no. the chiefs got the momentum they never surrendered it and we'll talk about the Bucks' offense a little bit, but, but and I think one thing too, them playing here instead of having to play in, in a neutral zone like yeah. a like a Minnesota, right? Definitely, I, I think we'd be looking at potentially even a worse loss than yeah. what we saw tonight. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that as well. Um, you know, the I, I think if you're looking for um, you know some takeaways, Todd Bowles came out again. We saw his reaction after his first loss as a head coach last week. He comes out and and owns this particular loss. He said, this is on me. This is on the coaches. It's on the players. But he took the blame for this. He's not just the head coach. He's the defensive play caller, right? It's his responsibility to get this team ready. Excuses, reasons, hurricanes be damned. They <laughs> still had to play this game, right? Right. So I'm, I'm talking with Tristan Wirfs after the game, and I asked him, I said, what did Todd Bowles say? after this this loss and he said well the first thing out of his mouth was you know this is on me this this is on me logan hall said the same this thing. is on the coaches and tristan said and mike evans stepped up immediately and said no coach it's on us the players you're not out there we are the players own this and say what you want about mike evans who became the all-time yardage right. or yards from, from scrimmage from scrimmage leader tonight yep. surpassing james wilder but that's some real leadership there. And, boy, Mike Evans had to step up. He wasn't there last week. 
probably if he plays against the Packers, this this team it's wins that game. Three and one. <laughs> Mike stepped up tonight with a pair of touchdowns, just over 100 yards receiving. Yeah, I mean he, he did the thing, uh, you know, that we know best, and especially in those in the red zone, those those shoulder fades, uh, one on each side. He's yeah. uh he's known for that. And Logan Hall said the same thing. You know, that coach set, stood up and said, "This is on me." And he said, that's not true. It's on the players. You know, we're the ones. They put us in position to execute. We just didn't execute. Um, and, you know, you, you look at what the Bucks have been able to do in the first three games on defense, and you look at this game, and it's completely night and day. It doesn't match what we've seen. That's right. And I don't think it will match what we see going forward either. Uh, I, I think this is a game to learn from. Losses are the biggest teaching moments. Yep. I think they'll look at the tape. They'll say – They'll just look at it, probably laugh and say, what the heck were we doing out here? Yeah. And they'll make the adjustments the next week when Atlanta comes to town. I think you'll see back to what we have seen the first three games of the season. I, I agree with you, JC. I will say this. Football typically, and we've seen it in college football, it, it's the same thing in the NFL. The, the Buccaneers are playing 17 one-game seasons. Right. There, there can be some momentum. You can get on a roll or you can get in a funk, right? You can get... Uh, in, in a losing stretch. And, and let's hope for the Buccaneers' sake that this losing streak ends at two games and not three. This is a very critical game against the Atlanta Falcons here because they want to come in and, guess what, run the football. And they're seeing an awful lot of opportunity in this game. Is it a blueprint? We'll find out on Sunday when the Bucks play the Falcons here at Raymond James Stadium. But certainly the Buccaneers are going to have to do something. Otherwise, they're going to be uh, going from from one hurricane, which was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the Chiefs' ground game, uh, well, I should say, from Hurricane Ian to Hurricane Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to Hurricane uh, Cordero Patterson and Marcus Mariota and you know Tyler Algier and and, and all of those uh, you know uh, players that the Falcons have, whether it's the quarterback, the running backs that can hurt you on the ground. One thing that I will say, we talked about. Minimal hurricane damage up in our neck of the woods. Right. One thing that that just really stood out to me for the first time was my Florida Lanai curtains. They are so well made. They, they survived some some serious winds. And folks, I, I'm I'm not kidding. I I was a little unsure about how these curtains would hang on to my Lanai, and if they would make it through some wind gusts that were over sixty, maybe seventy miles per hour at times up in our neck of the woods, but they came through with flying colors. The reason why I went with Florida Lanai curtains from my backyard, and I've got the curtains like the, the ones you see there on the blue to the left, is because of, of the, the value. These are well-made curtains that allow me to do two things. Keep my, my back patio, my screened-in pool, my Lanai cool, uh, and, and shade it and also give me privacy because in Florida, we love the warm weather, but the most common complaints about spending time outside in your backyard is the lack of privacy where homes are built on top of each other these days and the brutal heat from the warmer months. And you know, we're in October, it's still hot, JC. The lack of privacy and too much sun can drive you inside and keep you from enjoying your screen enclosed pool or other outdoor spaces as much as you would like. Florida Lanai Curtains solves both of these problems with the privacy on-demand patented outdoor privacy curtain systems and their custom-made screen-enclosed shade sales. Their flexible installation options and high-quality products give you privacy and shade 
just where you need them. Privacy on Demand's outdoor curtains are made from that well-known brand of marine canvas, backed by a 10-year fade-free warranty and available in over 100 colors that's going to enhance the look and comfort of your outdoor space and match the back of your house. Their unique shade sails are made from the Sola mesh fabric, and they come with a 10-year warranty against degradation, and they're built to give you shade and UV protection for years to come. If you want or need privacy or shade, you want more freedom to enjoy your outdoor spaces, invest in Florida Lanai Curtains. Visit their, their website, lanaicurtains.com, to find out more about their amazing custom products and do your own hassle-free instant online estimate. Call 813-337-2511 to schedule a free in-home consultation. That's Florida Lanai Curtains at lanaicurtains.com. Well, JC, uh, we've got some music blaring in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not from us. There's no party going on here at Raymond James Stadium. Oh, this is not the party mood. Uh, but uh, we, we hope that you did enjoy uh, the party at Walk-Ons. Oh, so uh, and, and guess what? There's another Bucks game Sunday, and we're going to have another Walk-Ons uh, party. And it's called the Celsius Pewter Report Tailgate Show. And that's going to be, again, at the Walk-Ons at midtown tampa and it's presented by age rejuvenation so make sure that you're there kickoff pewter game day which is next week is going to be at one o'clock and the pewter report tailgate show presented by age rejuvenation live at walk-ons that's going to start at 11 uh, it's supposed to be a.m so sorry about the typo 11 a.m <laughs> not 11 p.m we're gonna be there all day and night <laughs> we're gonna be there all day and night yes well, um, I, I'll say this, JC. We need to talk about the offense here. If there are some positives, right? If you're going to look for the the last yeah. half full, the Bucks' point scoring was was a challenge for this team coming into this game. Right. They they put some points on the board, having Mike Evans back from suspension, having a healthy Chris got healthier Chris it's Godwin true. helped out. We didn't see much of Julio Jones. He departed with uh, with as Todd Bull said, he was nicked up. Right. But they put some points on the board, 31 points. So that was kind of the magic number for this team over the last couple of years on offense. Right. They scored 30 points, averaged 30 points. But, you know, even though they scored the points, it wasn't quite enough. And you look at the way they did it, mostly through the air, Scott. And, yeah. and we've been talking about how they want to establish the run. They want yeah. to establish the run. Well, tonight it was through the air that really yeah. won them this game or right. almost won the, this game. Yeah. And, and uh, again, uh, you're looking at three – Minus three yards on three carries <sighs> for Leonard Fournette. That's bad. Six yards rushing and a touchdown for Rashad White, who, you know, kind of atoned for that that fumble. I mean, it was a very costly fumble at the beginning it, of the game. It's huge. It changed the whole direction. It, it did. At least the kid scored his first touchdown, made a couple plays in the passing game on, on those uh, outlet passes by Tom Brady and, and bounced back from that. I think the kid has a bright future in yeah. this offense and in this league. But – this this running game has been ground to a halt, and, <laughs> and and one of the things that I looked at on on the two negative runs that Leonard Fournette had, Kate Otten, who missed all of the previous week's practices with, with right. the, the passing of his mother, then he comes back to a hurricane and he's displaced to Miami. Right. He had two uh, costly, I want to say blocks, non blocks really, right. that resulted in in those two. 
not uh, negative tight runs. enough to the line. You were pointing yeah. that out to me out there. Just you know, he needs to be tighter in his base and closer to to the tackles. Yeah. Right, George Karloftis just came in and nice. Just in ran and, right through him. Yeah, ran right through him. You know, one tight end though, he stood out. He made a nice. Coquie, Coquie, Coquie. The Keith Chirin was in full swing. Uh, you know, he made a nice catch and set up. Uh, one of uh, Mike Evans' second touchdown of the night. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the passing attack was there. You know, just yeah. the running game was just awful. I mean, you look at – you talked about has fallen off from that week one matchup yeah. when Leonard Fournette ran for over 120 yards, and now to them only <laughs> running the ball six times. Yeah. They only ran it six times for three yards. Um, you know, sure, they got a touchdown out yeah. of it, but still, they got to be more balanced, but they have to be – they have – They've got to find a happy medium because yeah. they're going to win games by passing the ball. Yeah. But you can't not run the ball. And yeah. you can't – I don't know what the step is in this offensive evolution for them to find this middle ground here. Mm -hmm. But they've got to do it. They've got to do it quick. And they've got another opponent coming up next week in Atlanta who's got some big, big beefier guys on that defensive line that they're going to have to run against. And you know what? Jared. I mean, we talked – maybe there's some momentum from their win over the – the Cleveland Browns, maybe there's not. We'll see. The Buccaneers have owned the Falcons right. as of late. I, I can't – well, the last time the Falcons won was Jameis Winston's last game. He gave them a great parting gift. Oh, that's a, right. A pick yeah. six. In overtime, right? In overtime, yeah. right? That was at the end of the 2019 season. And then you've got, uh, you know, a couple of losses in 2020, a couple of losses last year. Yeah. The, the Falcons typically play the Buccaneers – you know, one right. of those was a comeback win. Yeah. They almost lost. Right. Typically, the, the, the Buccaneers will play close up there in Atlanta. It's been kind of blowouts here. Right. I, I don't know that this is going to be a blowout situation, though, for the Buccaneers based on the way they've played. I, I think a lot of, of, of people would, would would say looking at that schedule, right, and just saying with hmm. these with these four opponents, Dallas in week one, New Orleans at New Orleans, the Green Bay Packers at home, the Chiefs at home, the Bucks would be lucky to be Come two on, and two. two. And here we are. Right. But, but who would have thought both of those losses would be home losses? Yes, back to back. You too. know, and, and you, that's why this next week's game is so important. Yeah. First of all, because you need to right the ship. Second of right. all, it's a divisional opponent. Yeah. You have a chance to go up two nothing in the division if you win. And you can't lose three in a row at home. Right. You just can't. I mean. There's things you can do. Great, it's great if you if you can win on the road for sure. Yeah. Especially when playoffs come, if you're not a high seed, you prove that you can win on the road. But you got to be able to protect your own your own stadium and win at home yeah. with your fans behind you because it has not been pretty these last two games. Um, and granted, there's been injuries and there's been some some situations that have popped up, but you can't make excuses for that. That's right. And um, you know, it is going to be interesting to see what Todd Bowles has to say after he looks at the film. He was very accountable after the game. He said they stunk run defense, <laughs> pass defense, red zone defense, right. third down defense. They, they stunk. And he gave the Chiefs props. And 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 talking to you know Raheem Nunez Rochez, who is one of our go-to guys at Peter Report, because he gives great candid answers. He doesn't pull any punches. Um, he was asked, he said, you know, how much of this is missed tackles? Because there were some missed tackles tonight. There were. He, he says it, it you know, th there's definitely some missed tackles. But then I asked him, I said, was this a hat on a hat thing? He says, yeah, this was a hat on a hat. The, the Chiefs offensive lineman got on the defensive lineman and just opened up some holes. A lot of times Edwards Hilaire and, and uh, Pacheo were not touched until the second level. That's why you saw 
the volume of tackles by Mike Edwards, Levante David, and Devin White. All of those three players had, what, close to a dozen tackles or more. Right. And that's never good. You want to have you want to have some defensive linemen with some tackles too, right. because that means tackles Just for loss, stopping, runs for no game. Level. Right? Yeah. You, you don't want you know. And, and this is the second week in a row that Mike Edwards has, has led the team in tackles. Last week he had yeah. thirteen. He had twelve this week. That's not and, good. That's no. That means <laughs> and he he'll hover close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. But most of the time that's meaning that he's gotten through not just your first level but your second level. Yes. And now he's moved into the third level. And usually those are for. For bigger, you know, yard yardage plays, you know, at least the first down, which we yeah. saw multiple times. I will say there were a few positives that we can take away from this Bucks team. The first off being, it seemed that they've gotten the, got the flow going a little bit on third down. They're sixty percent, six yes. out of ten, which was a big improvement over the last sure. couple of weeks. And, the and they get they get hotter as the game was going because correct. they started off zero and two on third downs, and really that first quarter just. They couldn't do anything right on either side of the ball. Bad. And and they, they were chasing the scoreboard at that point in time. The, yes, the offense did really make some strides. And, and you know, I don't think it was against necessarily, you know, like a, a, a prevent defense or a relaxed defense because Steve Spagnuolo was still bringing pressure. He was. He was bringing pressure throughout the Chris game. Chris Jones got – he made his presence felt yeah. numerous times. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Snead, they brought the linebackers. He was still bringing pressure. That that's his mo. He's he's like Todd Bowles. Like he's like like a, a shark that right. smells blood in the water. He's going to come after you. And and I think this offensive line and the backs they they held up fairly well in pass protection despite the pressure. But what it did force was Tom Brady too often, especially in the first half, to check the ball down, check it underneath, not right. throw to the sticks and beyond. That didn't help them early on third downs. Then they were able to kind of get clicking a little bit. But this offense really, and maybe it's the fact that that you know Donovan Smith played today was not 100. percent right. Robert Hainsey was in his fourth career start. Luke Gedeke, his fourth career game slash start. Right. Uh, Shaq Mason, his fourth game in Tampa Bay. Whatever it is, there's not much of a vertical element to this Bucks passing attack like there has been in years past. Right, and, and one wonder, is, is it the offensive line? Is it the coaching? Is, is it a combination of both? That's something we'll see, I think, as as you know, we get into a couple more games yeah. here. The onus all offseason was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. We want to be multiple. Yeah. We want to be able to establish the run. They can't hasn't, do it. Has they, they it quite worked? And and it's it's weird because Shaq Mason came in as one of the best run blockers at right yeah. guard in the league. And usually, typically, younger guys are better at run blocking sure. than they are at pass blocking. Right. And we kind of saw that in that first game. We're like, okay, they're run ball because right. these guys need to get their feet wet, especially in pass protection. Yeah. And now the pressure got to them. You know, Brady was only sacked for one time, but he could have been sacked at least two to three others. He got yeah. himself out of multiple sacks. But what, I, What's a little stunning to me is, is Shaq Mason comes in as a noted run blocker. Obviously, Tristan Wirfs. Is one hell of a run blocker as well. <laughs> You've got two guys there side by side, and yet this Buccaneer team can't run the ball to the right side. Uh, I, I know that tight ends are, are part of that run blocking equation, but certainly that B gap should be open between 
Mason and Werfs, and they're just not having any success there. It too. got so bad to the point where they they brought out the tackle as a jumbo tight end. Yeah, because they were the tight ends are just struggling. I, I think Brandon they're going to have to out there. Yeah, because the tight ends are just struggling in, in the blocking game and running and running situation. Yeah, and and I, I maybe maybe that's maybe that's a positive sign of things to come that that they go back to the jumbo package. Uh, this this offense, I, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago. They're clearly missing Rob Gronkowski. Right. Oh my we talk about the vertical element too. That's that seam play down the middle to six foot six Gronk, right? Where you throw him open Third down. and, and, and he, he makes catches. Uh, they, 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 they miss him in the run game and the pass game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I don't know if Tom Brady has, has called, texted, FaceTimed, <laughs> DM'd, smoke signaled. Carrier pigeon, send a raven. I don't know what he's done. <laughs> Whatever you need to do, but make it happen. Make it happen. Maybe this a Wonka bar. I don't know something like yeah. that. Golden ticket. Because I think if Gronk comes back, there's definitely a huge, huge addition. And you know, one of those additions prior to this game was in the red zone. Yeah. Gronk is such a factor in the red zone. And we've talked about the red zone. What are your struggles in the red zone? That first week against the Cowboys, they could have blown them out. That's right. But they struggled in the red zone. This week, four for four. I know. They they actually improved their, their red zone play. So, you know, there are definitely some issues that they need to, you know, correct. But there are some issues they're taking those steps as well. And red zone was one of them. So red zone, third down. Um, I think that, you know, as they look at the tape, they're going to see what really worked in the passing game and try to implement that sooner rather than later because you got Tom Brady. You went out and signed five wide receivers who have Pro Bowls to their name. You got to throw the ball. Yeah. As much as you want to run it, you got to throw the ball. and yeah. You got to do it works. You can't be stubborn. And I think maybe that's been part of the reason why they've struggled these last three games is because of stubbornness to we got to get the run game going. Yeah, and I, I think, too, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the run game. I'm not a big proponent of the run game on first down. <laughs> oh I, my I, I would prefer to throw the ball on first down, and, and if you have a positive play, then maybe you run the ball on second down. If you don't, throw it on second down. Run the ball, be opportunistic in doing so, but but don't, don't start by – predictably running the ball on the first The numbers down. tell the tale, Scott. They had 27 first downs. 23 came from passes. Yeah. Two came from ru rushing. Yeah. I mean, the numbers tell the tale. It, with Tom Brady, you have a guy in here who can make the throws, who can pepper the field and get throw guys open. You got to throw the ball and yeah. you got to do it early because then you're putting yourself in situations that a second and seven. Now you have three yards for right. the first down. Now you run the ball. There was a point, third and twenty-six, Scott. Third and twenty-six. Yeah. You throw a little, throw a little bubble screen yeah. to Cole Beasley, who then slips and falls. Yeah. I'm, I'm falling myself off the screen. That's how yeah. disappointing that was. You know, it, it's they, they've got to do better. I think they will do better. I know they can do better. Yeah. And and we'll see what happens with a week of practice. And I think Todd's gonna lay into him. I think. I mean, if this was Bruce. Man, uh, that press conference yeah. would have been something. It would have been salty. There would <laughs> have, there would have been sure. some language for sure. It oh, would, it would yeah. have been for kids. Uh, well, I, we've talked about Rob Gronkowski coming back, and I don't know if he's going to or not. But but certainly, uh, you know, if if he's feeling like he needs to, you know, if he's concerned about feeling good, right? Because right. I mean, right now he's he's partying, he's feeling good, right? Maybe he doesn't want to take those shots to the ribs. Right. Maybe he doesn't want to. 
you know, to get hurt anymore. I understand that he's he's played a long time in this league and played at a very high level. But maybe he needs some age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Speaking of tight ends, that's John Gilmore, former Bucks tight end. He is one of the co-hosts of the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show presented by age rejuvenation at walk-ons. And guys, if you want to feel better, go to age rejuvenation, lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have even seen Age Rejuvenation as the new sponsor for my SRS Fab 5 column on PeterReport.com. Well, I'm an Age Rejuvenation customer too, just like John. I'm almost two months into my treatment and I feel younger. I'm sleeping better at night. That's the first thing I noticed, JC, was getting a more restful sleep where I wake up and I'm not tired. And the other thing, too, is I'm having more energy throughout the day. I don't need to have two Celsius a day <laughs> like I was having to. Um, but thankfully, I don't have any issues in the bedroom. But I did turn 50 this year, and energy is a problem. It turns out I had low testosterone, like most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's just nature, fellas. And what age rejuvenation is also seeing is low testosterone even into males in their 30s. So if you're feeling sluggish, if you're not feeling your usual self, if you're feeling like you have low energy or if you have any problems in the in the, the bedroom, go to age rejuvenation. Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to energy to stamina, but there's a way to fight it. I did that with testosterone therapy. I have more energy as a result. Visit agerejuvenation.com, age rejuvenation with five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Don't wait. It's the best thing you can do for your health. Trust me, I should have done this years ago. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex with age rejuvenation. JC, we're gonna have we're gonna have a uh, another Peter Report podcast where we're gonna dive into this game a little bit more tomorrow. We're gonna hear from Todd Bowles right. after he watches the film, unless he burns the film, <laughs> and then he's not gonna watch it. But uh, there are I, some good things to take away from this, but there's definitely mostly a lot, on the offensive side. Lot to fix, lot to fix on the defensive side, and that's shocking because he's a defensive coach and that's his side those are his guys yeah those are his guys that that have gone to war and we we heard from them last week you know we're playing for todd we're not yeah. just playing for us we're playing he's our guy we're right. playing for him and, and they did not play for well him i i think tonight. it speaks volumes though that of all players mike evans right wide receiver pro bowler team captain he was the one that stood up immediately right after todd bowles seconds into his post-game press or post-game speech to the team and said guys this one's on me mike evans stood up and said no coach it's not it's on us it's on the players uh, in reality <laughs> it's on everybody everybody the coaches the game plan the head coach the players especially on the defensive side um again I, i'm agree i'm agreeing with you i think if there's a bright spot at least the passing game clicked this is a pass first offense you have Tom Brady, and you've got these these uh, talents, especially Mike Evans, who shined tonight. Chris Godwin, um, twenty targets between the two of them. We yeah. love to see that. Like the good old days, right? Thirty-one points just wasn't enough because the defense couldn't stop the Chiefs' offense on the ground. Couldn't stop Mahomes, who.
who was a magician out there. I tried certainly have, couldn't stop him on third down. I tried to have faith. I was, I was like, they're going to stop him here. I, bet, I even bet Scott they were going to stop him. You lost I, the I money, did, didn't I you? I did not win that bet. I did not win that bet. Yeah. But, you know, they'll, they'll come around. They'll turn around. Maybe Bruce Aarons comes down with that red marker, red yeah. pen, and starts making some adjustments to the game plan on the offense. I, defensive I appreciated JC having some faith in the defense in the second half. I just looked at the statistics. I'm a defensive guy, <laughs> and I said, JC – uh, yeah, I think it was yeah. what third and five. It was third and five. Sub the third and six. Third and six, yeah. yeah. And he said, "This is they're going to get a stop here." I said, "JC, this defense has given up eight out of the nine, eight <laughs> out of the nine last third down conversions. They're not going to do it here." And they, they didn't. Did so, did uh, folks, uh, we appreciated all of you for sticking uh, around for this this late edition of the Peter Report podcast. That's what happens when you got these Sunday night and Monday night <sighs> games. Um, you know, they're tough, especially when when the Bucks. Um, you know, lose. It's right. not fun for you guys. It's not as fun for us to cover because not fun for the players. Uh, yeah, it's it's a somber locker room. It's you know everyone's up for this game, especially after the hurricane. It's Sunday night football. The game stayed in Tampa, and and this team just didn't have enough in the tank to deliver today. They didn't have the momentum. Didn't make enough plays. But next week is is another game. Thirteen and, and more a, of them too, and it's a big one, JC. It's Thirteen big. more games this season. You know they're in a good position right now. Two and two. There's nobody else. Uh, I don't think there's anybody else that are that are really above them. Yeah. Panthers lost. Right. Saints, Saints lost. lost. Right. Falcons won, but the Buccaneers can, as you said, uh, take a two-game lead in the division. That's that's big, and especially as they have one win away from Ray J, and then one win at home if they beat the Falcons on Sunday, and and they've usually done that. So we'll see what happens, but. Lots to break down this week. This can be a big week. You got to make sure that you are, are visiting pewterreport.com. We've got tons of great Bucks content there. Uh, that's that's the wrong banner. There we go. There's the, pewterreport.com. Best Bucks coverage. Make sure that you are following us on our YouTube channel. That's Pewter Report TV. And we appreciate everybody who's subscribed. If you subscribe, you're going to help get us closer to 10,000. We're getting there. We're getting close. Make sure you hit. The thumbs up, the like buttons on all of our content, whether it's the, the, the post-game press conferences, the player interviews that we do, the analysis pieces that we, we have up on Peter Report TV and our Peter Report podcast. Yes, uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock to break down Todd Bowles' post-game press conference, I should say day-after-game press conference. Yeah. And, and also, we'll have a chance to look at, at the film and, and make yeah. our own assessments. We'll have more content up on PeterReport.com tomorrow. we got Bucks Monday Mailbag. My two-point conversion column. Uh, uh, we've got uh, uh, game snaps and, and, and other uh, analysis pieces yep. that'll be up uh, as well after we get some sleep. It's been a late <laughs> night for JC Allen. I'm Scott Reynolds saying thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast.